0: welcome to Don't Die Before You're Dead. I am your host, Mary McCartney, and this is where we talk about all things related to living the life you are meant to live, living with purpose, deciding that you're going to live your life, not the expectations of someone else. So I so appreciate you being here today, and you will be amazed at the story that is coming today. My guest Genevieve Peturo, is an amazing woman who has lived that kind of life. She has decided that there's more to what she would like to do. So as a 20-year TV marketing executive and realizing that perhaps it wasn't as fulfilling as she would like and founded a program called the Pajama Pro- Pajama program. Excuse me, I certainly don't want to mess that up. And have you realized that this is an undertaking that she took, I think, in 2001 and has been on many, many important TV shows and been interviewed by many. And I am thrilled, Genevieve, that you opted to come and share your story with us today. Uh, You have a, a remarkable approach to life. And I don't want to steal your thunder. I know there's lots to talk about. And what prompted you to do all this? So welcome to the show. Thank you, Mary. I'm so pleased to be here. Great. You are an amazing person in regards to how you went about changing from climbing the corporate ladder, being really maybe up top there as far as uh, you would like to have been at the time, and realizing you wanted more. And what prompted you to start the Pajama Program? Well,
1: you know, I appreciate the, the amazing, but it really, you know, sometimes you're looking for purpose and sometimes it finds you and and that's really what happened you know it wasn't it's an amazing story in that things happened the way that i would have never planned and i didn't plan and and that's the amazing part when when you find something that just you just want to embrace and sometimes you're not you're not prepared and and, and i wasn't you know as as you mentioned i wanted to climb the corporate ladder uh-huh. And it was, it was strange for my parents. My father came from Italy my mom was here and her dad came from Italy and they wanted us four children to have an education and then get married and, and have a family because that uh-huh. was tradition. Uh-huh. As the firstborn, I sort of didn't see that for myself. I did go to college, but then I wanted to do the corporate thing and I did. And I thought I was on my way to success and happiness. Uh-huh. And I didn't have room in in that crazy corporate climb for a, a partner, children, family. You know, my social life was my business colleagues and it was just a fast, you know, with all the energy I had as high as I could go and and I was off. And 12 years in, literally one day out of the blue in my apartment, I heard a voice and I know it came from a place, not my head, where most mm-hmm. voices are, you know, are, <laughs> excuse me, but mm-hmm. it came and I, and I come to call it my heart voice. It came from a deeper place. And it asked me a question, Mary, that stopped everything. It asked me if this is the next 30 years of your life.
0: Is this enough? Wow. And do do I need need? That, it's all about amazing. Genevieve I I believe two things first of all I'd like you to uh repeat that question because I think it's critical but the other thing is to recognize that you were open to hearing that I personally believe that a lot of time our inner soul speaks to us but we don't tend to hear it would you say that's probably true absolutely I think I heard it that day
1: and um it was it was again you want me to to ask the question if this is the next 30 years of your life is this enough and i think because it was so uh, pronounced and i heard it and it really spooked me i've come to realize it probably was trying to ask it in a lot of ways for i don't know how long and i didn't pay attention i was too many loud noises in my head and i think if The universe really wants you to hear it. It's like, you know, it just hits you over the head with it. And and for me,
0: (laughs) I think that was, you know, that was a real wake-up call. Excellent. Well, we're delighted that you heard it. I taught high school for many years. And part of my struggle with our young people growing up today is they're so plugged in all the time that there's really no quiet to hear what's going on within. and. I, I think it's a lost, a lost part of us in many ways, and we need to be ready to listen. You listened. You were asked that question. I would say, from when I read of you, that it was a resounding no. You didn't want thirty years. You're you're right. You're right. <laughs> and I think I think
1: that voice is a gift to us, and we don't realize it. And mm-hmm. and yes, that that I t- it took me all of ten seconds to answer that question for myself. And it was no, I was, I was alone. Mm -hmm. I hadn't made room or had prioritized anything other than getting to that top floor in New York city where, you know, I could say I'm success. I'm here. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I realized my answer was no, I mean, so many things flooded to me, you know, you're making other people rich. What does this really mean? Who is this really helping? You know, yes, you're having a great time, but it's not, not, there's nothing significant happening here for your, in your life or for anyone. Mm -hmm. And I also realized very quickly that I not having a family or children was something that I, I missed. And I, you know, like I said, I'm sure all of these thoughts were circling around in my heart and maybe in my head too. And I just didn't pay attention because I felt a loss right Mm -hmm. then. Mm And, and i that's what started everything, that feeling.
0: I notice in in your writing on your on your website there, um, you talk about your heart voice connection, mm-hmm. and I love that term, and I would imagine that that's probably what you're referring to. That's what I've come
1: to call it. You know it took me a while to come out of that shock and to really process things and to watch pajama program grow and, and I'll fill you in a little bit on that, please but, do yes, it's, it was my heart voice and and we all have that. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what I call it. Um, I'm sure other people call it that, but that's, that's what it felt like. And that's what it feels like to me every day, heart voice.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So from the time you heard that and realized that you're probably, I don't know, ready to make a detour at the end of the road, fork in the road, um, Maybe it wasn't for it, because that implies two directions. What were your thoughts with regards to
1: what next? Well, I, I never, it never dawned on me that I'd be making a, a major jump or, or you know jumping off anything, but I did want to find a way to bring children into my life. And I thought, okay, I read the papers. I see the news reports about these children who are, are um, hurt or abandoned or worse and the police and the social workers take them to the safe shelters and things and being in New York I knew that we'd have to have safe shelters so I called police and and they told me some of the places that were you know were um had a name because so many places as people probably know are hidden because they're they're trying to keep the the, the safe house safety mm-hmm. safe so they told me a few places I called and Pre nine eleven in New York, or probably anywhere, you could do what I did, and I just called and and asked if I could come and read to the children at night. At Mm -hmm. night, I said I'm a nice person, and (laughs) they were welcoming. They, they, I guess they thought I sounded like a nice person. So, they checked you (laughs) out. Yeah, I mean now it's very different, and I appreciate that. So I brought a whole bunch of books, and I went to one of those safe shelters at night, and I didn't know what to expect. And I went in my suit, and there wasn't. A, a really a place for me to sit. there were there were rooms and you know, a couple of chairs, and but I knew the children would come in. so I just sat on the carpet and with my bag of books, and in came these little ones that oh. just one by one, my heart melted. And I had no idea what to expect. And they were so quiet, and i I knew they wouldn't tell me what had happened to to any of them, but I could see that they were afraid. I could see what they were wearing was tight or soiled. And I just started to read the stories to them. And they, they were pretty quiet the whole time. And time after time, that's what I would be doing. I'd go and I would read those stories. And one night, a few weeks in, I followed where the staff were taking the children to go to sleep after I read to them. And when I peered in, I saw such a scene that, that was so opposite my mom tucking us in. They were in the shelter, lovely staff, the little beds, like single beds, futons, cots, and the children, you know, helped up onto them. There was nothing for them to change into. They were they were going to sleep in their clothes. Some of them were crying. And that vision of, that memory of my mom tucking four kids in, my sister and I shared a room, my brother shared a room, and she'd come to our beds and read us stories and, and you know, laugh with us and bring us a snack or, or a glass of milk and just giggle and, and, and tickle us and you know say, say funny things. And of course, pajamas. We had we pajamas. And these kids didn't. And the one thing, and I don't know why it came out of my mouth, but as they were walking me back to the door, I just turned to one of the women and I said, next week, can I bring some pajamas? And she looked at me and she said, wow, that would be really nice. Oh, fabulous. And I couldn't get that image of that bare room out of Mm -hmm. my mind. And that week, all I could do was think of how do I escape my desk to go and buy some more pajamas because I wanted to bring more than enough so no one would be left out. Yes. So I returned with more books and a whole bunch of new pajamas in every size and color I could imagine. And I read to the children and I started giving them out. And one little girl halfway through the line, she she came up to my hips. And I always guess at her age, maybe six. Okay. And her ponytails were lopsided and her, her clothes were tight and soiled. And she was so afraid. I tried to give her pajamas and she shook her head like this. No, 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 no. no. She was so afraid. I didn't know why. And I kept mm-hmm. trying. And she didn't want them to take her into the bedroom. She wouldn't take them from me. She wanted to watch me give them to the other kids. And they let her and then finally, when she was the last one and they were taking her into the other room, I cried one more time. I ran over and I said, please, don't you want to take your pajamas? Honey, they'll fit you and they're soft and they're pink, just like it's pink in your shirt. And she looked at me and she she whispered, what are pajamas? What are these? And I I mean, I just, I don't know how I didn't collapse, except I know that I didn't want her to see um, me cry or me look Um, upset. I didn't want her to think that she made me upset and they helped her with the pajamas and she gave me a little smile and off she went. And that, that was the beginning of, of the only way I can say it, it, it was an obsession.
0: Yes. Well, what an incredible obsession to have. And I'm sure that, you know, not only was your heart touched, but I mean, I can imagine the people in the the shelter, the staff, because they are so limited with their resources. Exactly. And you know, it takes a special kind of person, as I'm sure you you know as well, that to to work with that situation regularly and see the pain and suffering, and to have someone like yourself come in and offer such what would be seemingly insignificant things to us were so monumental for them it does not take much in our world to make a difference and you definitely were making a difference it must have like this is your personal expenses you are taking this out of the corporate job and applying your income to caring for these young ones how did you transition from that to afford the passion that you were um, Uh, taking on that you wanted to um, make that change with these young people. How did you do that? Well, first you mentioned the staff They're
1: they're angels, what they do, you know, angels, because I don't know, you don't want to steal your heart to their, their, to being compassionate and they somehow balance um, loving and taking care of these children hour after hour. Um, So, well, I, I really, my book goes into the debt I got in because of not wanting to let any group go without pajamas and books. I mean, it was, became an obsession and I didn't have an, an income when I decided, what if I just do this, you know, and what if I quit? And so I couldn't quit, but I, I went into debt and I was hiding this pajama obsession and what I was doing from everyone, everyone. Because I didn't know what it was, I didn't mm. know what I, what to do with it, and I wasn't thinking like a business person. I was just thinking like a you know a, a crazy mad woman running around <laughs> finding pajamas and and listening to you know the, giving taking the addresses of the people who would call who'd hear from another friend who worked yeah. at a shelter. You know they have a shelter. Can you come here? Can you come here? And I said yes every time, and. You know, my book details how I had to slowly start to tell people what I was doing and the, um, the scorn and being I really punched in the stomach because, Staring? of, well, people just didn't, the, the people I, I asked, I, I didn't want to tell anyone that, could, that was related to my career for fear that I would get fired. Oh, okay. So I yeah. tried to choose a couple of people that were removed but weren't very close to me, but just to float the idea of doing something different like this and when I did to the first woman she just she just hammered me with why you've worked so hard to do this what do you think you're really giving the kids you think pajamas are going to save their lives you know what are you going to use for money you have a mortgage and it was like boom 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 like all these questions and Mary I didn't have any answers I really didn't. I was I was naive enough to think she might say, "Oh, that's so nice! Help me in." <laughs> well,
0: yeah, I can I can certainly I can certainly understand that because you're not a crazy lady running around. I see you know this lady, this big heart running around on two legs, but um, you know obviously the rest of the story. You did not let that person beat you down, which I'm delighted to hear. Uh, other people are afraid of. Them being left behind, I think, or you shining light on their lack of compassion, perhaps. But uh, that's unfortunate that you had that, but it probably spurred you on in other ways. Yes, and and I give
1: all the lessons I learned in twenty years in at the end of every chapter. Um, it's called the heart of the matter, and I talk about the lessons of each chapter, and and that lesson is in there because I I tell people now, and I and I coach people, and I, and I speak, and I say. The best thing is to get cheerleaders, your cheerleaders, lined up. Just a few, mm-hmm. because those people who are going to not only doubt you but challenge you are going to, you know, sometimes they're gonna, it's gonna feel like you you're, you've got a punch in the stomach, like I did, and you need to know who's there for you when that happens, because if there's nobody else there for you, it's gonna take a long time, like for me, to get back up and to get over that. As you can mm-hmm. see, I'm still passionate about. Oh, and, how, yes. How, upset and frightened I was at that moment that I was really out of my mind and I hadn't because it's true I hadn't thought it through and and the way that it became a success and a business was because I I forced myself to find my cheerleaders mm-hmm. and you know they're in my backyard you know my, my mom during this whole crazy time I met a great guy
0: oh and yes, awesome. then,
1: You know, the universe helps every step of the way when you're on purpose, right? It just, it just. I believe that. I believe that. And you probably found him when you weren't looking for him. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. And the test was when I told him what I was thinking about doing and
0: his Uh first words were go for it. And I said, okay, what a difference. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. For sure. Well, I think many times people get side, side sidelined or ambushed by well-meaning People um, and sometimes we need to address the life we're living, because when el- when it all comes down to the end, the regrets will be ours, not somebody else's. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Now I can see that you've got a picture of your book there. Tell us, tell us about your book if this is an appropriate time to do that. How sure. when did you write this, and, and um, did this start at the very beginning of your journey, or did you take some time first to figure out where you were going?
1: No, you know, at the beginning, I wish I had known what lay ahead because I didn't take notes, you know, I scribbled addresses, you know, back then you really couldn't have your cell phone out at your desk. Mm -hmm. So I was hiding this big phone (laughs) and, you know, listening to it ring. And I didn't want to miss anybody saying, my friend works at the shelter. She's, she's desperate for the children. Can you call her? Do you have any pajamas? And I didn't want to miss any of those calls. Mm it was it was such if I would write something it would be on a piece of paper and I had a green folder that's all I had that said needs pajamas on the cover of this green folder that I that I hid everywhere you know with my papers at work so I could uh-huh. do both jobs at the same time and so I didn't take a lot of notes and there are questions I have now about the early days because I remember the kids I remember what the inside of the shelters look like but I went to several. So I don't know if this one was this one or this one was that one. But when I started to take notes, because I had to, I started to be to organized and to get, get some kind of a, a filing system and some kind of a, you know a, a charts and things so that I could keep track. And as the days and months and years went on, the stories that I wrote down because I wanted to remember this story and that story. I knew that as I was speaking to people and and I got a a reaction, people wanted to hear more and that all the inspiration I got from so many people who told me their stories Mm -hmm. bedtime and some were good and some were, were not so good. And the people who would tell me secretly they were adopted I mean, it was just an amazing 20-year journey of, of what people trusted me with, um, their, their their stories, their their money, their gifts, knowing that it would get to the right place. And as I would speak and write things down, I th- started thinking, you know, at some point, maybe 20 years in, I want to write a book and, and speak and give back some of that inspiration if I can, but that's been inspired upon me. So I went to our board after being founder and executive director for more than 20 years. I went and then and I said, I, I want to speak about um, our, our journey and the story, and I want to write a book. So I want to give back my executive director, let's hire someone, and I will make a living in this part two of my life.
0: Mm-hmm. So I
1: talked about your part two, and this is, I guess, my part three. And so, cool. so I wrote the book that came out in this pandemic a few months ago. Oh, excellent! And, and I'm hoping that it inspires other people to to live on purpose. That the subheading after purpose, passion, and pajamas is how to transform your life, embrace the human connection, and lead with meaning. And excellent. that's what's in the book. So how do they find that, Genevieve? They can go to Amazon, or they can go to my website, Genevievepitturo.com and learn more about everything and read the reviews. Mm-hmm. And um, thankfully,
0: knocking wood. They've been good.
1: and, um, and We have a um, great website.
0: I was I was uh, journeying through it. It uh, says a lot about how you started up. It talks about your book and being able to. So that's called Purpose, Passion, and Pajamas. I love the subtitle. And I think it's what people need to wake up and realize that, you know, with one life to live we can become very complacent and very self-involved, if you will, well-meaning, but a little bit oblivious to the needs of others around. And I'm, you know, as much as COVID has been this terrible ordeal and, and with, you know, horrific outcomes, I'm hoping that from that people will develop more of an awareness and start listening to uh, what's out there. Like, is that all there is? So on your website, you, you talk about being a speaker and you're going out and speaking to groups. Who is your ideal group to speak to?
1: Well, it's exactly what you're saying. During this COVID, I did 12 masterclasses virtually because I couldn't go out and speak. Mm-hmm. And the most, one of the most popular ones was to, to bring that, I call it the slide, Don't push what you've always wanted to do and you were waiting for the perfect time, as we all Mm -hmm. say, right? And then the pandemic hits (laughs) and it's, oh my goodness, I need to put food on the table. I get that and I appreciate that. And yes, that's a priority. But I tell people, please give yourself the gift of the slide. Don't push whatever you thought you could, wanted to do and your heart was calling you to do further back on the back burner. You already put Mm -hmm. it back there. Yes. Slide it up. And I teach people how to do that. Slide it up for an hour a week. Because it's a gift and it's hope. And you mm-hmm. have to know, you have to remember that that is what makes you you. That is what puts you on the course that will feel, make you feel whole. And it doesn't just change your life for the better. It changes everybody in your life's lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody will feel that change in you and how you're, you're giving yourself this gift. And this, it's the love that you're giving when you're living on purpose and, and you're leading with meaning and you're you're making a difference in, in somebody's life or to change something. So I talk about that slide. And that's mm-hmm. so important now, just like you said, because of what we've been
0: through. That's such a good visual, Genevieve. It really does. Uh, it does picture in our mind's eye how often we will just push things aside. And you know, not to be too much of a sexist here, but women in particular have been known to be been used to kind of setting things aside to serve, you know, primarily maybe their family's needs. And then, you know, I, I never thought about getting to the age that I am today. And, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed a lot of what I've done. I've had my hard lessons too. But um, to be able to say that, you know, we're all going to get here. And we never know how much time we have, so we're all going to get here. Um, and what are we going to do, or how are we going to get here, is so important. Now, you also do coaching sessions as well, from what I can see. Yeah, yeah, personal strategists for people who want to make a career change or start something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so someone <laughs> someone that's listening today then would be able to call you up. I mean. Some of the changes don't have to be as big as perhaps what yours has been. Yours has been fairly monumental. Now, you say you, you know, you, it cost you a lot, both financially. And of course, you've made this transition out of the corporate world. I did hear a saying once upon a time that really spoke volumes to me about climbing the corporate ladder and get to the top and realize it's against the wrong wall. <laughs> I, wish, I wish i could give credit for that but i'm afraid i can't remember who said it but i know i can't take credit because it wasn't me i read it somewhere but you know it was a big change for you and so now the finances you're selling your book um but i do believe that this has all been set up now and that you're running a non no no so the nonprofit is pajama program okay
1: um, that we we um Legitimized as a nonprofit, we got our 501c3 in 2001. I've been okay. doing this for a couple of years, you know, just running around, and then I realized let's get this organized. So we we've had our 501c3 now for 20 years. Okay. And so what I'm doing is my own. This is how I make
0: my living with the speaking, yep. and the master classes, and the personal oh, okay. and the strategizing and the book. Yep. Okay. So are you, how are you connected to the nonprofit? Are you on the board? I'm the founder. I'm the founder. So okay. I tell our story. I talk about
1: um, nonprofit <clears throat> things and, and a lot of people who are interested, who, who do want to do something with nonprofits in their second chapter. I talk about that. So it's just starting something new, believing you can do it. Right. How the universe is your partner and just how to tell your story, you know mm-hmm. how to tell a story that touches people, that little girls question to me touches people. And it's, is if I'm, I'm just channeling her. It's like she's
0: she's asked everybody that. Well, she's part of you now. She is. She comes right through me. <laughs> well, that's that's amazing. So obviously the um, that your allies, your support group, it has really grown by leaps and bounds. You've done a number of um, uh, you know national television uh, interviews with uh, people that have you know have a voice like Oprah, even on CNN The today's show. So the, the message is spreading. Um, can the everyday person sending donations to you? Is that part of what the process might be as well? Anything for pajama program. We have pajama
1: org. Okay. And certainly if they contact me for anything, um, my email is Jen at Genevieve or you can find me on my website. I can make an introduction or, you know, talk about other things uh related to pajama program but for the day to day and and everything that we're doing pajamaprogram.org is full of
0: information and contact. Excellent. Now as a former English teacher, I love the idea that you went and read books to them. Uh, as I mentioned as a high school teacher, we provided opportunities in our high school classrooms to be reading whatever they chose on their own no grading no marks related to it at all. And um, our young people really were resistant. They were not readers. Um, and I, I, as a book lover, as a person who is very engaged in the, the literary field, it saddens me. And to the fact that you would take books and go read, I, I, my experience, of course I'm in Canada here in the U S um, there's a, there are a lot of parents who no longer tend to read to their children because they're not readers themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm, my question is, and the long and short of it I'm trying to get to is, do, do books still play a part of your pajama program? Oh, yes. It's all about bedtime. Yes, Okay. Books,
1: pajamas, and how important it is for that routine for children to, you know, our slogan is a good night for a good day. How, how are they going to function in the morning if they're afraid and, you know, insecure and, and they don't have a bedtime that gives them some security and safety and, and routine so that they can fall asleep. And, you know, I I say, hopefully have a a dream and not a nightmare. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. It is about that, um, that storytelling. I mean, who doesn't love to have a story read to them? I still do. You know, (laughs) I thank God. Yeah. I still have my mom and, and she doesn't read stories from books, but she tells me stories of when she was little and uh, you know, a million times and I love
0: it. Who doesn't love to hear a story? Well, exactly. Well, actually, as a speaker, I'm a speaker too. And right now the trend is, and everybody's talking about how storytelling is a key to captivating an audience. Now, my students did not want to read, but I often read to them and I read books uh, that I thought were very motivational and, and encouraging for them to live beyond just you know, what they could see 10 feet in front of them, but things, uh, you know, that would give them pause to reflect on on a different perspective that they hadn't found in their everyday life. So um, yeah, I'm a, a real book fan. So I, I'm, I'm delighted that it's still part of the program and you're absolutely right. And you know what, Genevieve, I personally believe that doesn't matter how old you are, we still need that great bedtime routine because we're going to live better if we sleep better. Yes. So you're starting those young people off with excellent habits that I think a lot of us have forgotten. Mm.
1: I think you're right. I think you're right. And I think, I think that bedtime bonding is so important Mm. because all the memories that I, I had when I looked into that bare room at the shelter of my mom's bedtime rituals were, were really about that, foundation of love for for a child for me knowing she'd be there in the morning she'd be there every day Mm -hmm. these kids so many of them don't have that and that's really what it boils down to having that that comfort and that love and security from somebody that you can count on
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's an excellent point is it's a very important sharing time the bonding and being able to recognize that it's time spent one on one, and maybe that's missing today. Not only are we living in a world of a lot of noise, but we're also living in a world that has us on this hamster wheel where we go, 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 and there's no time to take part of that that those moments. And uh, you know, are we ever going to regret that, or is it going to be a foregone art? Do you think? Well, I think during this whole quarantine and the and the
1: the pandemic and the shock of it all, I think I think there's there's part of our heart that's opened in each of us to listen and to be compassionate towards someone. I mean, we can only look in their eyes wearing masks. You know, we, we <laughs> have to look in their eyes because we have to see, you know, see what they're saying if we can't hear or we sort of yeah. see. And it's just this mysterious um, coincidence that we have to look in each other's eyes. And I think that at first it was a little uncomfortable, but I think it's it's more than just a necessity that we're doing it because there's something in us that's missing that connection. You know, mm-hmm. I talk about the human connection. And I think that we've we've it's another nudge from the universe. Like, you know, hey guys, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna insist that you look in each other's eyes and see how that feels and get used to it because it's missing. And I think you're mm-hmm. gonna to come
0: to to appreciate it. Mm Mm-hmm. Excellent point. Um, Yes, we have been too long um, distancing ourselves emotionally. Mm -hmm. Right now, we're distancing ourselves physically, but we're realizing the outcome of that and the cost of it, and people are hungering for that human connection. So um, very trying times. Um, Glad to see that you're still out speaking and, and sharing just before we close off here and you tell us again how to find you and how to connect with you what would be the one real rock solid piece that you would tell your clients to kind of oh set a fire under them if i will or cause an awakening what that young child shocked you with that question is there something that you say to clients that kind of has a similar effect? If you found, how, how do we wake people up?
1: I think it's, it's that question. Um, if this is the next 30 years of your life, is this enough? And I do the rocking chair test. Um, I do it and I, and I ask people to do it with me when I speak. You know, when we're 85 or 90 and you're sitting in that rocking chair alone, rocking, are we going to be able to answer that question that now here I am? And did I do what I wanted to do? Did I try it?
0: Mm -hmm. Or are you living in the land of regret? As I like
1: to call it for sure. So you can do it now and think about the 30 years, or you can do it when you're 90 and think back. I'd rather think
0: forward and have that opportunity. If we do it now, we can do something about it. Right. At 85 or 90, what are the odds are that we can't do anything about it? Hopefully, right, right. Yeah. Hopefully people do it anyway, but why not <laughs> do it earlier? Well, keep sharing your message and hopefully, uh, not hopefully, I'm sure there are people that are going to listen and say, you know, you're absolutely right. It is time I looked at what I'm doing. I mean, for those of us, when the kids are gone, it's getting out of that rut and recognizing there there is more and we just have to... Pay attention, I guess. So, Genevieve, it's an excellent story. I am just so thrilled that you came on the show to share that. You are making a huge difference. And, um, you know, sometimes it'd be nice to be a little mouse on the wall or in the corner, not a mouse on the wall, (laughs) you know, in the corner and, and, and see how much better things are for some of these young people that you've touched and hopefully when they they're growing up and they're sharing that story of you know one day there was this really nice lady that came and, and made a difference and, and they will become the next nice person thanks to you so Genevieve thank you so much where can people find you again and connect with you thank you Mary it's um my website GenevievePeturo.com Excellent. Excellent. Now this will be on YouTube and thankfully we see your name there and I'll I'll be posting that very soon and uh, make sure that, you know, people have access to your name and congratulations on your book. All the very Thank best you. of your future endeavors. And um, I look forward to following your path. Thank you. Thank you, you Mary. It. Let me know if I can do anything for you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Take care and have an awesome day. You too. Thanks.